Get ready. It's time for Motorsports Madness, powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Jacob Seelman. What's up, y'all? Welcome to a special edition of Motorsports Madness. It is a Tuesday, but that does not mean that we don't get to talk about racing because, well, we love talking about racing and that's just what we do. I'm Jacob Seelman, joined in the Race Chaser Studios in Race City, USA, Mooresville, North Carolina by Tom Baker and Chris Murdoch. And Tom, it's a special day. I don't know. Do they need to call a national holiday or do you just want to start talking about racing? Because this is fun. Well, I don't think one is mutually exclusive of the other. I think a national holiday to talk racing ought to be on every politician's calendar who's running for election this November. (laughs) All right, we're going to have some fun. We had a lot of fun uh, watching everything coast-to-coast over the weekend. Let's see, we had NASCAR in California, we had NASCAR near St. Louis, we had IndyCar in Wisconsin, we had Formula One coming back to France, we had dirt all over if you knew where to look for it. I mean, it is a buffet the likes of which we really, really like on this program that we're going to get to in a little bit. Let's see, topics among consideration for this show. We're going to have a debate on whether three of the four faces in Homestead are already set before we've even gotten halfway through the season. We can debate Uh, If Martin Truex has elevated himself off the bottom of that three-man totem pole yet, we can get to the whole Lewis Hamilton doing Lewis Hamilton things again and the rumors of some Dixon guy to McLaren for an IndyCar drive in 2019. That made me raise an eyebrow all weekend this weekend because the biggest thing about that was he didn't deny it. So we'll, we'll get to all that in a few. Tom's already looking at me like, oh, I can see where this is going, and he's probably not wrong. Well, I was just meditating on this National Motorsports Day idea, and I think I think oh. we ought to push it. You know, we can just all take the day off and celebrate John Force. <laughs> John Force does not need a national holiday for anything. John Force gets a pass strictly because he's John Force. Exactly. And he can basically do what he wants. So but- we'll talk NHRA later as well. <laughs> yes, we will. We are going to step aside briefly when we return. We will start digging into that laundry list of things and have a lot of fun while we're doing it. So stick around because we are literally just getting started. You are listening to Motorsports Madness, and we will be back in a moment on the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah. Street. 
Pizza sounds good. Ballin Street? Girlin Street! <gasps> It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text, stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. I'm Kaz Grawl, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. In the category of drivers that we really hope make it to Chicagoland, and I will be the first to say I've heard no official news, good, bad, or indifferent regarding the 61 car for this weekend, but... We can only hope, Tom, that something comes together. Maybe they pull it together as a late entry, go to Chicago, and and keep in this. Because, gosh darn it, after the four races that Kaz put together with them, two top tens almost winning Michigan. We're we're still talking about this almost two weeks later, the fact that this kid needs to keep going. Well, and we're not the only ones talking about it either, Chris. I mean, this is a great story about how to build your brand that could never have been written. Unfortunately, it kind of has come out of some some tragedy with the owner of JGL Racing, James Whitener, being ill. But, you know, this is a great story, Chris, because really what's happened here is you've watched a driver that I think, you know, people were maligning just a little bit. At, at the end of last season, he's coming up to Xfinity, and I don't think a lot of people quite knew whether they thought Kaz was ready or not. And, you know, he didn't start off the season horribly, but he wasn't great. And all of a sudden, he ends up in this situation where he and his family and some friends who happen to be well-experienced racing people have to put a team together in 10 days' time to go to Charlotte. And he's just been kind of over-exceeding since. Well, Tom, if we think about where he was about four races ago there was a whole lot of controversies surrounding him yeah and he took it in stride he kept his head down didn't really comment on it a whole lot except just to explain the situation from his point of view yep he did that and then he got down got back in the race car and did the talking on the track yep 
And that's what is really special about Kaz is that he he didn't have to feed into the controversy that some of the other media were were pushing towards him, trying to get yeah. the answers out yeah. of him. He didn't have to feed into that. All he had to do was put the helmet on, strap into the car, go out there and run a couple top tens and run a really good run, a really good short run of four races. And that's why I think we're all really pushing because if he can get that one sponsor, that one that one little push to get him over for the next few races here, I think he has a good shot to make it to the playoffs. Well, the thing is, Jacob, I mean, he almost pulled off a win here recently. Um, and he's running the top 10 in every race that he's been in with that 61 car. He, yes, he has. That is exactly correct. And he's finished there twice, as I referenced off the top. So we will uh, just wait and see here as to whether the 61 will end up ultimately making it to Chicagoland for Saturday afternoon's Xfinity race. This is a big weekend in Chicago that we'll talk about a little later, or I guess it starts during the week and extends into the weekend. It's a long weekend. There's four races going on. Starts Thursday. Yep, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon. And like I said, we'll get to that here a little later. Right now we can look backwards for a second because... We ran a road course race at Sonoma over the weekend, and one of the big three won again. However, it wasn't the guy that I think everybody expected to win. I really went into this myself, Chris, thinking that Harvick was going to go back-to-back, and yet here Martin Truex is, goes out, gets redemption, and the best part about it is it wasn't just that Martin Truex had a fast car. It's that Cole Pern absolutely psyched out everybody. It was a brilliant call by Cole Pern. I don't know if he could replicate that call because it's like I don't think you'd ever it, it's get a that one to in work a million. Again. It's a one everybody in a million knows. shot. So everybody knows, and he, he well. really pulled it off. <laughs> he pulled it off really well. And after that, Martin Truex ran off into the sunset and just took the field away. There was no catching him, barring a caution which I didn't see was going to happen once he got out that far. So he just took it, and and he even said he was nervous for a caution at one point, but he really went out there and stole the show. And for anybody who thinks he's not going to be a part of the, uh, the championship hunt is sadly mistaken. I look at this race, and I really think about what a mundane road course race this was. I mean, this was not typical of what we've been seeing there was very little real racing for position up front there was really not a lot of drivers running each other off the track and and a lot of craziness going on these guys have all gotten so accomplished at running a road course that you know you may have had some of them i i don't think bubba wallace had the weekend he would have hoped for he was off track no, a little I agree. Bit. but it was all just drivers driving off the track because they were overdriving or whatever have you rather than you know all of the sort of aggression and side by side and shoving each other one way or another it's kind of mundane and and here's the thing with that poker move that cole perm pulled chris i i think that you know, Jacob says he can only do that once. He can never do it again. Well, honestly, I think he can because who's to say the next time whether he actually wants Turex to pit or not? And if you're Kevin Harvick or whoever else, other team, you still, in that situation, 
are sort of wanting to not let him dictate the moment, so you still don't know whether to believe him or not. It's just a weird. It's really funny. It's a weird situation, and it really puzzled a lot of people when it happened. And I think people are still reeling over how great of a call it was because it was just straight out of left field yeah. that he would fake that out and, and and just come down, and it worked. He won. Now I do want to step back because you did mention Bubba Wallace not having the weekend. Maybe he wanted to, and I just want to be nice. I I, <laughs> I wanted to to bring this up because I just want to say. People make mistakes. Drivers make mistakes. And for the first time in two, uh, 10 years, A.J. Elmendinger made a mistake and yeah. missed a shift. Yep. And you could tell how dejected, yeah. how upset, yep. and how just he felt that he let down his entire team. And he was really, really upset. And he was running up in the front. He was running yeah. top five. Yep. He was able to get up there and then just missed a shift. And, I, I mean, I feel for him because – People make mistakes. You, you you can't get yourself down that much, and I, I guarantee AJ's probably moved past it a little bit, trying to think towards next weekend. But I mean, you can't, especially for the first time in ten years, you can't let something like that go just right off right off the bat. No, hey, uh, hey I hey, agree. Hey guys, guys, guess what? Uh oh, here it comes. Uh oh, breaking news. Uh huh. I knew that was coming. <laughs> I knew that was coming. So this. What are is, we breaking? Yeah. Well. I'm not sure exactly what's supposed to be happening at Indianapolis Motor Speedway right now. However, the breaking news, courtesy of Daniel Suarez, is it's pouring! I think there was a test session that was supposed to happen today that is most decidedly not currently happening. Okay, so where's the breaking yeah, news? Yeah, that's not that? breaking news. That's <laughs> Well, <laughs> it is breaking news because it just ended up on Twitter. Well, okay. So it's breaking news because it's happening now. Right. Not yeah. really that big of a deal. Yeah. No, no. But uh, I will say this: I I do think they are having to test some things and maybe tweak a little bit with the tires before they come back in September. Because Tom, this will be the first time when we get to Indianapolis that it's the last race before the playoffs. Well, and honestly, I hope that they can find some tires that make the, make that a race. Because to me. The Brickyard has been one of the least exciting NASCAR races on the schedule for quite a while now. And, yeah. Um, so let's hope that maybe they the the track dries or whatever, and they can get get out and uh, do some stuff. But um, you know, getting back to Sonoma, I, I I think Chris's to Chris's point, I think AJ Almendinger, of course, he won you know the first stage, and I think. That probably added to his frustration, Chris, because after you actually win a stage, now, of course, you understand we can we can pull this off. And, you know, it's uh, he had a car, I think, to at least compete for the win. And, you know, you, you just miss a shift. And we've seen a number of drivers do that this year. And I don't know if it's a difference in the transmissions that they're running this year, if they've changed them at all or whatever. But I, I feel like we've seen a handful of guys have issues like that with missing a shift and messing up the transmission. And I can even go back a year ago and I think junior. And I remember, I, I don't even, I don't know if Jeff Gordon or there were at least a couple of drivers last year that had the, that same issue. So I'm not sure what's going on there, but 
really a tough break for the 47 team because they needed, uh, even if they didn't win, they needed a good solid top five effort. What we're going to do right now is step aside briefly. When we return, we're going to continue with the madness. We will, I'm sure, get to a little gateway coming up, and uh, there's probably some black and checkered flags in our future. Who knows? You're listening to the madness, and we continue in just a moment on the Performance Motorsports Network. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. Their representatives are experts on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. What an awesome game. What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'd come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke, located on Route 1, or call 827-2054. COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe. As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema, and half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD. Hi, I'm Chase Cabry, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now, back to the show. All righty, welcome back to the madness on the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, and Chris Murdoch with you as we roll along through a bunch of motorsports conversation. And let's see, before we talk about Gateway for a second... I want to talk about the fact that we had the big three 
and we haven't really, Tom, had anybody that's spectacular outside of them in quite a while. You were talking about it was kind of a mundane race. There were pretty much a bunch of mundane performances all throughout the field. I mean, aside from 2X and Harvick, there really wasn't much of anybody that truly impressed me aside from maybe the run that Clint Boyer had. Well, actually, well, see, I'm not surprised at all. I expected Clint to be up there. What I find interesting is if you look at this finish, you take Truex out of the top five and you've got Stuart Haas, Stuart Haas, Hendrick, uh, Gibbs, and Stuart Haas. And if you go as far as eighth, you get the fourth Stuart Haas car, all four Stuart Haas Fords finishing in the top eight, none of them winning. Um, To me, when I look at the top 10, I see Chase Elliott, and Alex Bowman as both being very strong performances, given that neither of them are necessarily known for their road course prowess. And Eric Jones also with a nice run, I thought, to finish in seventh. Um, you know, those were the, the, the guys that I think did, you know, the best job over the course of the race in terms of, you know, guys we expected. We saw Michael McDowell up there for a while and uh he fell off to 21st at the end of the race so you know he didn't uh really get the result to match the performance that he had for a lot of the race but um it was definitely i think a an interesting race for a couple of the hendrick motorsports younger guys to be able to shine a little bit i thought chase did a great job to finish fourth and i also want to give some um, if, if I know we haven't started black flag checkered flag, but I got to give some credit here to to Ryan Blaney because boy he he tried to to uh, muscle that thing as best he could with no power steering. That is not an easy task on a road course like that. It's not an easy task anywhere, anywhere. let alone right. on a road course. Yep. So. I want to shift gears now for a couple of minutes and talk some gateway because. A certain Justin Haley, formerly known as JJ, who we've had on this show a bunch and uh, quite enjoy when he comes to entertain us here, won a race, Tom. It only took, I think, 37 starts, but he finally won one, and in fairly spectacular fashion, a late restart made it work, made it stick at Gateway, which is somewhat close to uh, Winnemac, Indiana, at least geographically it's closer than most of the places the trucks go kid was pretty pumped yeah he was pumped and he should be pumped i mean that was you know justin has run in the top five a bunch and is finished in the top five you know it was i think his 37th series start if i remember correctly. i believe that's correct yeah and you know just the emotion in victory lane you know, I'm about to cry, man. You know, that that's that was sincere. He that was something he's worked for for his entire life. And, you know, the thing is, Chris, when you get a driver like that, that finally sort of scales the mountain. We were talking about Kaz Grawl earlier and he got his win at Daytona last year in the truck series in kind of improbable fashion. Uh, Justin really did a nice job throughout the entire race on Saturday night. And, you know, he pa- he had to beat everybody in the field to get that win. And yes, he, he, did. he did it very well. I think Justin 
it, at this point in the season is just starting to find his stuff, starting to find his run, starting to find his momentum to kind of get him up there and start running well. And, and Gateway was no different. He start, he He's starting to get up there and he's starting to run well. And, and Gateway showed it. He had, like you said, Tom, he had to go out there and beat yes. every single person in that field. And there was a lot of people that were really fast at Gateway that he had to really work for that. And, and now Justin's starting to move and he's starting to get to uh, some Xfinity starts, albeit for some unforeseen circumstances. But he's starting to get up there. He's starting to run some Xfinity. He's really liking the Xfinity car. This is a really good time to be Justin Haley because he's just starting to find himself. He's starting to get the push he needs, the equipment he needs. He's starting to put all the pieces together, and Gateway was just the first start of that. Yeah, and you know it really was uh, it was an interesting last ten laps or so. I mean, Todd Gilliland did everything but win, yeah. and we know that's coming for Todd before uh, the end of the season. We know he's going to get a win in that truck, but um, he had a strong second place run, and you know it really was just kind of a crazy last ten laps with Gregson being up there, and you know he and. And uh, and Haley battling for the lead a little bit, uh, you know, it was it was actually uh, again a pretty mundane race, though it was exciting. There weren't a lot of you know nasty things that happened until toward the end, and then it kind of the wheels fell off. You had that bad accident with uh, Tate Fogelman and Justin Fontaine um, that, that, uh, happened about, well, I guess it was just past midway or so, Jacob, I think yeah, about the last third, I think it was like 47 to go. Yeah. Something like that. And, and, uh, you know, that was a hard crash and it seemed like after that, it just kind of all went downhill in terms of chaos, but and that opened the door for the finish that we saw. It did. And I want to give some props to a driver that Tom just mentioned, because Tate Fogelman before that accident was doing one really heck was. of a job yeah. in the 20 car for Young's or 20 truck. Rather, I always do that just like the drivers do. Sometimes I've managed to pull that off 20 truck for Young's Motorsports. A really great job for the 18-year-old former past South champion, and Tate was just running a very clean race. Disappointed that it happened to him, Chris, but uh, there was a lot of oil on the track from John Hunter Nemechek's blown motor, and really that was an incident where nobody could do anything at that point. Yeah, there were there were a couple incidents where just it, it really kind of set the tone for the race, like Tom said. It really started going sort of downhill it started it was an exciting race but there was just a lot of stuff to happen i mean another accident that happened which was really just tight racing was the contact between moffat and rhodes which ben rhodes can't catch a break to save no, his no, life no he can't and that's really upsetting cuz if that that kid could just get some luck and get get the truck series on his side i feel like he could be another one like a justin haley that could go up there and find himself get the win and just start rolling because I feel like once you start Ben Rhodes on a on a win especially with how driven he's been these last few weekends to go out there and try to turn his luck around I don't think you could be able to stop him no and and you know again you look at the race as a whole Christian Eckes was probably the big surprise winning a stage 
leading about 34 laps or so of the race. And then, you know, Stuart Friesen got into him and ended up spinning him into the wall. And then Friesen's night, Friesen's night turned sour after that when Johnny Sauter got into him. And, you know, again, it was just sort of one of those, once the domino started, it just kept falling. And, um, you know, one by one, these, these, these guys kind of went by the wayside and it, set up a situation where, you know, you had that last 10 laps for everybody to just go nuts, which is why we love truck racing, right? And and Justin Haley finally came out on the right side of that instead of the wrong side where he's been a few times in the past. Locks him into the playoffs, sure oh, does. by the way. Yep. For yep. the second time on this show and the first time for a real reason. Breaking news. Okay. Martin Truex Jr., as of this past weekend, is working on a new contract with Furniture Row Racing. He said, uh, the discussions have started, quote, we've just started working on it, end quote, to Lee Spencer uh, for the Racing Boys over the weekend. And what I didn't know is uh, Cole Pern is in the midst of a four-year contract right now with Furniture Row. That little tidbit was floating around in here over the weekend and Lee also confirmed that Furniture Row is in the process uh, for what Martin calls a matter of days of working on confirming a new renewal with Toyota and the JGR Technical Association as well to continue. So keep all the pieces of that puzzle together, Tom, and I don't think there's anybody stopping them for a while. Well, I would agree with that. Um, You know, and I don't know that anybody would really have... I mean, do I don't know you, that we would have expected anything less. Yeah, but do, you, do you start the rumor that Truex? Where, I mean, where, like, are you going to leave that situation at this point, Chris? Yeah, like, I, don't, I don't think you do, because I mean, you think about the dominant run they had last year, all right, and now you think about where they're getting at this year. They're starting to knock off a few races. So, I mean, Sonoma, for instance, right? You do not want to break up the the Cole Pern Martin Truex no. Jr. team or your team's just going to go nowhere because they've got so much chemistry right now that they're they're almost they're in the big three. That's I mean, about this, it. In this day and age where dollars are an issue in the sport, if, if I'm Martin Truex, I'm just basically saying, look, let's just get this over with. Give me a couple of six-packs of beer a week and, and a few bucks gas money, and, and uh, let's just go win some more championships. You know, it's that that team, I don't believe that team will go anywhere anytime soon in terms of, you know, the unison of the driver, the crew chief, and all of that. They're going to be together a while, and I don't think we need to be starting any Truex to Hendrick rumors or wherever you want to put him for next year. I didn't start that rumor. I was just saying. No, I'm, say, I'm saying deal. in general. I don't think we need any rumors out of this. He's not going anywhere. All right. We're going to take another break. When we return, the mostly popular, usually uh, controversial black flag, checkered flag segment, because we just get a little rowdy during that. And we'll probably talk some open wheel, too, coming up. You're listening to Motorsports Madness. We're back with more around the turn on the Performance Motorsports Network. Okay, so Sarah, I'm dropping you off at Emily's. Yep. And Josh, you're going to? Soccer, Dad. Soccer practice. Right. Oh, by the way, I just wanted to let you know when I pick you both up, I'll be wearing my short shorts. What? No! Yep, and my dorky dad hat, and I'm going to do my dad dance for all your friends. They'll love it! Seriously? Why? Because I like my short shorts. Of course, I could be talked out of it if you guys would just buckle up your seatbelts without giving me a hard time. 
It's important to get your kids to buckle up for safety, no matter what it takes. And sometimes, all it takes is your parental powers of persuasion. Okay, okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled. Good choice. I'll just have to do my dad dance at dinner time. What, what? No! Do what you have to to make sure your kids are wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speeds, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach so call bsr today 304-725-8444 give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway that's 304-725-8444 this is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children name one of the leading killers of u.s children age 1 to 13 what's the best way to protect children in a car crash At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Noah Gregson, and you're listening to Motorsports Madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. All righty. It is going to get a little rowdy, I imagine, because when we do the black flag, checkered flag deal, it usually does on this program. You're listening to Motorsports Madness. If you're just joining us, hi. If you're still joining us, hi again. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Chris Murdoch, still talking racing around a round table. And right now, as I mentioned, we're going to give kudos and, well, I'm not going to say booze because only drivers get booze and I don't think we're good enough to... To be, well, booed, Tom. If we are, then I guess we're doing something right. Well, I mean, we I'm not sure that uh, there aren't people who boo us every week just for the sake of it. So uh, and I'm sure that something one of us says every week causes us to be booed. But that's okay because that's all a part of it. When you're offering opinions, not everybody's going to agree. All right, so I'm going to go Tom, then Chris, then me, because I actually need time to think about this for a minute. You can uh, give blacks and checkers, and I'm I'm not limiting you in this case. So if you have a couple, give a couple. We got time. Okay, you're putting me on the spot first. I huh? am putting you on the spot. I don't usually put you on the spot, so you deserve to suffer just like the rest of us do. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's about suffering, um, I just like to react to what everyone else says. I I think. Um, honestly, my first checkered flag goes to the driver we were just talking about, Justin Haley. I, you just got to give him props. He's worked so hard to get to this point and get his first win. And I sort of feel like now the way I felt last year with when Ben Rhodes got his first win, I, 
once you get your first, it's just a different attitude that you go to the track with. You don't get cocky, but you just have that extra confidence because it's not about what I believe I can do. It's about what I just did. And it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Justin come back and maybe not this week at Chicago, but certainly down the road, not too far and win another one. So my first checkered flag I'll assign to Justin Haley. I'm giving another checkered flag to another one of the truck series competitors that I think really deserves one. You know, there are some drivers that do things well that we just sort of always overlook. And every once in a while, you get something like that that takes place here. In this case, it's not about overlooking him so much as it may be underselling him. Todd Gilliland finished second here, but I think there's more to the story than that. Gilliland got a late start to the season because he wasn't old enough to race for a little while, had to watch his dad run the truck. He has gone out and I think at times has looked a little unsettled. And by his own admission, I think he's learning still how to communicate what the truck needs versus the cars he's used to driving because it is definitely different. So, uh, but I think this was the first time I saw him put together a complete race. He almost pulled off the wind. So, a checkered flag to Todd Gilliland, and I'm sticking with the check with the checkered flag. One one more um, finishing in seventh in this one. Once again, Jesse Little, indeed, with a with a team of what three, four? I mean, I think four, four employees in the shop. They pick and choose their truck races. They pick and choose them well. And he has finished a bunch in the top five, top ten this year when he's Four won. top tens in five races. And, you know, that to me is amazing. So props to Jesse, and I'll throw in one last one for Riley Herbst. And I'm, that's, I'm sticking with the truck race and all of these wow. because I think we saw a lot of really good performances. I have no black flags here. I it's, was going to say, you just had so many checkered flags, I can't imagine what your black flags I, are. I really don't have any black flags here um, per se except, uh, you know, Stuart Friesen, I think every once in a while still gets a little bigger than his britches. And, you know, if once he finds that happy medium on the pavement and doesn't overdrive the, tr- uh, the truck, I feel like he's a little like Kyle Larson has been with the cup car this year. If you could turn them both down just a little bit of the aggression button, you'd start seeing wins out of both. And I do believe that'll happen before the end of the season. All right, Christopher. Well, now that I can get in and, Tom didn't top, stop talking, so he pretty much took all the checkered flags that any of us probably could have had. <laughs> no, well, that's not plenty of other flags, But I could, if I was going to give a checkered flag, my checkered flag would go to Riley Herbst because he's making the best out of his situation that he has right now. He's handling it with class. He's really excited to get this push that he's been getting. He's He finished uh, sixth at Iowa in the Xfinity car, finishes eighth at Gateway in the truck, driving up in these top-tier series. He's really making the most of his situation. He's really handling it really well, and I'm happy for Riley that he's finally getting up there and able to prove himself at the top levels. If I was going to go with another checkered flag, I think it would have to go to um, the Hendrick organization at Sonoma in the cup race because they really ran well. They ran up in the top five, top 10. Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman finished in the top 10. Jimmy Johnson 
just outside. Now moving on to my black flags. One in the truck series will go for Stuart Friesen because he did not make any friends at Gateway no. uh, that weekend, it, especially Christian Eckes. Uh, he didn't seem too happy with how uh, far Stuart Friesen drove into the corner and moved up the track and, and ended his night and uh, just the contact with Johnny Sauter. He's just been really aggressive recently, which is sad because a couple weeks ago we were talking about how good he was, how he was running and how clean he was going. He was moving up through the field really nice, and now he's in kind of a slump where he's just, like Tom said, too big for, big for his britches. He's too aggressive. Uh, another back black flag, I know I gave a checkered flag in the Cup Series to the Hendrick organization, but my black flag goes to William Byron. He really oh. needs a good run. He's been top 15, top 20, but I'm and especially this race, he did not run well at all at Sonoma. And the rest of his teammates, his, his cohorts, finished up in the top 10 and Jimmy just outside of the top 10. And and being in that equipment, and if Chase and Alex and all of them can run up there, you should be able to do the same. You should be able to get up there and hit the wheel. So I, I think it, it's not really a a black flag, so to speak, but it's kind of uh, he really needs a push. He needs a, a good finish here, kind of just like a Bubba Wallace who just hasn't been hitting it recently. He needs a good run as well. All right, my turn. Right. I have a checkered flag that's completely different from all of you because I went digging a little bit to uh, try and find this one. But I have a huge checkered flag in the Camping World Truck Series for the driver and team that came home with a 12th yep. place finish. How about the Mittler brothers, the 63 team, and Kevin Donahue, the elder Donahue brother, uh, did an absolutely incredible job with that small budget team to do what they did. I'm not 100% sure whether Mike Mittler was able to be at the track on Saturday night, but if he was, my gosh, what a moment for those guys. That's the best run they've had in a long, long time. And to see Kevin, that truck, have a good run with the first responder colors on that truck as well, uh, that was just a feel-good moment for me, and that deserves a bit of a shout. So props to MB Motorsports, Kevin Donahue, and all of those guys for what I thought was an absolutely feel-good run. And a very strong debut, by the way, for my second checkered flag. Zane Smith in the 54 yes. really came out of nowhere on the last restart to grab a top-five finish and had a really impressive debut with DGR Crosley. So good for him. My black flag in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series goes to A.J. Allmendinger's shifter. <laughs> I'm continuing the Cisco theme of giving flags to inanimate objects. Cisco can't be on this program, so I'll continue it for him. I, I'm I'm just bummed. That stunk. I wanted to see AJ run well, and like he said, first time in ten years he's missed a shift on a road course. Just a freak fluke thing, and. It just bummed me out, Tom. It really did. I wanted to see him do well and contend for a win and maybe crash the playoffs, and now we got to wait till Watkins Glen. If there's any good news about waiting till Watkins Glen, that is the road course among the two where A.J. is a winner. 
Well, it is. And, you know, <laughs> you're black flagging the shifter when it was the shifter or shifty that caused the uh, the issue. I but, know. yeah, it's, it, that was just disappointing. You always want to see somebody fresh up front challenging for a win. And I think we were all kind of hoping that A.J. and, for that matter, Michael McDowell, would have gotten up there and somehow been some sort of a factor. It just didn't play out that way. I think what's what's telling about this is we're coming off a road course and we're still talking about the same three guys. Yeah, really. All right, we're going to dig into open wheel here for a few minutes, and it's going to kind of be split up over the course of the next little bit on this program, but I'll start it now with this. Are you buying or selling the persistent rumors after Road America that Scott Dixon might actually jump ship from Chip Ganassi Racing and go to a McLaren IndyCar team in 2019, Tom. Is this buy or sell? Yes, this is buy or sell. Are you buying it or selling? Are you buying the rumors or selling them? You know, common sense and logic, which I'm famous for using, would tell you that you should sell this thing for, you know, 10 cents and a cup of coffee. Because there's no way, if you're Scott Dixon, that you should logically leave Chip Ganassi Racing to go with McLaren, who would be an unproven commodity. But they're partnering with an existing team. See, the problem I have with this is this just feels like something that could happen. Like, my gut is telling me to buy the fact that Scott would consider making the change at this point in his career, simply to go somewhere else and see what he can accomplish. Now, I don't know Scott well enough to to know how to read his mind or whatever, but it's McLaren, man. <laughs> you know, and Scott's a New Zealander. Bruce McLaren was his yeah, hero. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like I don't know. I still want to think Fernando Alonso, but you know. The more people keep talking about Scott, the more I feel like there's something to this. So I guess if I can only buy or sell and not stand pat, I'm buying it. I think there's a chance. Chris? I'm buying it on the sole premise that he's not denying it when he's asked about it. He He's keeping the table open, yeah. which means... He is considering it. No, there's no, there's no maybe. Yeah. He's considering it. It's he's considering it because he's not flat out denying it that he's not going there. If he flat out de- denied it, then you know that's that. But he hasn't responded. He's leaving it open, and it, it's kind of the same premise that Tom made. He could go there and he could make a statement. He could change it up in his career. Go there, run McLaren, and make a statement, and just change it up, change of pace, change change of scenery, and just. It might be good for him to to change it up, and I think that's maybe what he's thinking about by not denying it, and the whole Bruce McLaren thing plays into it as well. And Jacob, keep this in mind, by not denying it, he's also kind of sitting at the money table going, okay, I'm here. (laughs) You know, this is going to be a fascinating thing to watch. Yes, it is. I'm selling it solely on Scott's loyalty to Chip Ganassi over the years because I think he can use it as a play to get what he wants from Chip. Well, I think that part is fair. Um, So you're saying you're selling because you you believe that him not denying it all this is exactly what I just said. It's basically a way to exactly play the money table. 
Uh, we'll see who is willing to offer more we'll money offer if that's what? <laughs> something like that. All right, we roll on with more open wheel conversation coming up. We still have another half of this show to go. We're going to take a break and roll on around the turn. You're listening to Motorsports Madness on the Performance Motorsports Network. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke, 302-827-2054. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. (laughs) My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels, new to intermediate, to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ag Council. Hi, I'm NASCAR driver William Byron. You're listening to Motorsports Madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. All right, welcome back to the Madness on the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Chris Murdoch talking racing. A special 
edition. We don't normally get to do this on Tuesdays, but hey, we get to do it on a Tuesday for a change, which is fun. And we were talking about the potential of Scott Dixon to McLaren in the last segment, which allows me to segue to IndyCar and go to Chris, who made the point before we started this show. Joseph Newgarden dominated Road America. I would call that a bit of an understatement considering he led all but two laps, sir. He went out there and put on a show, which I'm happy for because, as everybody knows, Team Penske. So I'm not going to argue with that. He put on a really good show for them, and it's one of my favorite road courses, and I think Tom said last week that it was one of his favorite road courses, so I always like Road America. And he had a little little bit of fun in, in Victory Lane, which was interesting because a fan got into Victory Lane, if anybody saw that video, and uh, I kind of ran up and attacked <laughs> Joseph Newgarden oh boy. Uh, in Victory Lane. Yes. So, uh, I missed that. Yeah, so that was interesting, and uh, she looked like she was a, a, a few few. Uh, alcoholic beverages into the evening as she was running through Victory Lane. I was but just going to say think, a few I, fries short of a Happy Meal. But. I don't. Uh, I don't think Newgarden was minding it because he was playing along with it. So, uh, but Joseph's yeah. that kind of cool cat <laughs> that he would do that. But yeah, it was a good show. I'm happy for Joseph that he could go out there and dominate a race like he did, uh, and it, it's a really good string of momentum for that driver. How big was this to get him back into the championship, Tom? Well, it was huge. I mean, that's, and I think, again, when you look at the entire IndyCar season, we've seen this sort of up and down from some of these drivers, and this was a good opportunity for him. And thankfully, that fan that got into victory lane and had a little fun didn't have quite as much fun as the fan that uh, (laughs) snuck up on stage during the Ben Vereen concert years ago and bit him in the ass. Oh, Um, boy. Yeah, literally. Um, You know, that's not the kind of fan he really... uh, But So we avoided that. But no, it was... Look, this is... What's interesting here is you look at the standings, you've got Dixon with what looks like a huge lead. A huge lead. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're talking about 43 points here. Almost 40, actually, uh, 45 points is almost a, a what it race. is. Yeah, almost a full race. And Rossi's tied with Hunter Ray for second. Newgarden is five points back of that tie for second in fourth place. And Will Power sitting in fifth with 328. Now, Power is 65 points back. Here's the deal, though. There's seven races left. And I think when you look at this, you want to jump to the conclusion that Dixon is fairly comfortable. I don't believe that for a minute, Chris. No. Because we've got too many races coming up that are too volatile for this series. You've got Iowa coming up, for one thing. That's the eighth of... July on a Sunday, you've got Watkins Glen still to come. You've got Pocono still to come. You've got some tracks here that could drastically shift this in a hurry if Dixon has a bad race. I'm going to have Chris hold for just a second so that we can do a little business, and I'll let him get his response in on the other side of this. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, 
HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. Their representatives are experts on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at HMSMotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. I'm an HRA Pro Stock Racer, Tanner Gray, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Fitting, because we're going to talk about NHRA during this segment after we get done talking a little open wheel. So uh, good that Tanner Gray brings us out of commercial. You are listening to Motorsports Madness, Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, and Chris Murdoch talking racing for a little while. And in fact, I'm actually getting one segment ahead of myself. So we'll have NHRA coming up in a little bit. Chris, I want to let you go ahead and finish responding to Tom now because, well, the commercial kind of got in the way, but it's okay. Well, I'll pose this because looking at the top five in points, yes, there are a lot of tracks that can really throw a wrench into this point standings that Scott Dixon, if he has one bad mistake, opens up these these four drivers to really close in that gap. But I do want to... kind of put a bow on something that we were talking about in the previous segment with Scott Dixon going to McLaren. He may be denying it for a complete different reason from what we were, or not denying it for a completely different reason from what we were talking about. Because you got to think of where he's at. 393 points is how many points he has right now in the lead to Ryan Hunter Ray and Alexander Rossi's 348. If he wins this championship for Chip Ganassi Racing, that could possibly change his entire mindset going in to a contract negotiation with McLaren or Ganassi or anything. So he might be holding off kind of like a, a Peyton Manning style Super Bowl 50 win when he waited till after the Super Bowl to retire he may be trying to fill out these final seven races and if he wins the championship with Chip Ganassi Racing he might sign that that bottom line and, and go back there's a lot of things that can happen though like you mentioned seven races left we we've got a lot of drivers who have been showing some real talent in this final stretch of racing Tom I mean we just mentioned them Joseph Newgarden Alexander Rossi they're all running really well they're all all getting close they're all uh they're all s- sitting really close together so it makes it a lot easier for somebody to go in and make a mistake and lose it all i agree i will say though that i do believe this is dixon's championship to lose i'm just saying he's not far enough out that we can't discount other racers jacob all right we're going to tie our open wheel conversation into a bow coming up we're going to talk some nhra all that fun stuff here on motorsports madness so stick around we continue in just a moment on the performance motorsports network You own a performance car, and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing 
racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Reed Sorensen. Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication. But it's those tough choices that help me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. Hi, I'm Matt Tift, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness. You are listening to the show on Performance Motorsports Network, or if you happen to be listening to it on demand, Spreaker, uh, Tom, I don't have the I master Radio, list. Yeah. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud. I'm probably TuneIn, uh-huh. Aha Radio. Um, gosh, probably missing one or two. But basically almost anywhere you can find podcasts nowadays – just search for Race Chaser Radio, and we're there. All right. See, Tom remembers the master list because I always manage to drop four or five of them off, and my brain just gets <laughs> spun out. So between the two of us, we, we get it done okay. Anyway, back to the madness because it's been kind of sort of crazy and fun over the last little bit. We're going to shift our open-wheel conversation over to Formula One with the headline, F1 Returns to France. Subtext, Chris. Lewis Hamilton does Lewis Hamilton things. I wasn't surprised, and to be honest, I kind of missed the race, and that's why I kind of asked before we started the show what kind of happened. And when Tom told me Lewis Hamilton basically just went out and, like you said, did Lewis Hamilton things. He led things, every lap. I said, I'm not too surprised. There, I didn't miss much. So I, it was <laughs> it was a Lewis Hamilton race to lose pretty much. And, Tom, the biggest thing here is Lewis had never raced on Circuit Paul Ricard until this weekend. I mean, F1 hadn't even been in France since 2008. We ended a decade's hiatus there, and the tricolor was very good to him over the weekend. Like I said, started from the pole, led every lap, led every qualifying session, I think led every practice session. You can't ask for a better weekend than that. He smoked them. Yeah, I don't... uh... You know, I watched this race and and I was kind of the first, my first thought was, oh my gosh, 
what is with all of the blue and red stripes on this track? I mean, it looked like, you know, back in the 60s, they had songs about, you know, candy and whatever. And you had these big old giants, round suckers with all the stripes on them. And it, and it just um, looked like something that uh, came out of the psychedelic era. The French but, have pride in their colors. Yeah, my gosh, it was the weirdest thing. I'm like, I would never be able to not be confused driving this track. Anyway, uh, Lewis Hamilton just put together a perfect day. I mean, it it, it wasn't so much that... He smoked the field because nobody else was any good. He was just that much better. I mean, he, yeah. he, you know, there were some really, really, I thought, good performances in, in this race, starting with um, the, the second place run that uh, we finally saw out of. We, we've been talking about Daniel Ricciardo so much this year, and we keep talking about Max Verstappen say, well, for wrong like reasons. We started to forget that Max exists, except for the fact that he's been crashing a bunch. Yeah, and, and he uh, he obviously had a good run here to finish second, and it was really cool to see that. But this was a race that actually saw some interesting action. Uh, Charles Leclerc ended up 10th, but he ran much better than that, as did Carlos Sainz, who was as high as 6th in his uh, Renault. Well, let's try. No, Sainz was higher than that. He was on the podium after that first lap crash. He was running well, third yeah. behind Verstappen and Hamilton. But he didn't stay. He ran 6th to 7th most of the race, finished 8th, but again, a great performance out of him. And I, and I thought it was great to finally see one of the Haas cars, Kevin Magnuson, get up and finish in sixth as well. This was definitely an entertaining race to watch. And ESPN, well, I don't want to say ESPN, the World Feed actually, I thought, did an exceptionally good job this this race of going back through the field and focusing on some of these drivers who were battling back and forth because there just wasn't a lot of action going on up front. I thought Kimi Raikkonen did a great job to get third. It was interesting to watch Sebastian Vettel come back and try to make his way to the podium. Yeah, and then even fall with short. the time penalty that he had for the contact with Valtteri Botas on the very first corner of the very first lap, yep. he finished fifth. Yeah, still got still got uh, top five finish out of that. Uh, and I was really sort of the, the first lap was just nuts. I mean, they they were like five, six wide in some spots toward the back and everybody just sort of jumped all over everybody. And I was yeah, really Se Sebastian jumped all over Valtteri. And then the two Frenchmen uh, had a well, bit of a coming together too back in the pack. Yeah, well, Pierre Gasly ended up out of the race before it even started uh, because Roman Grosjean uh you know, basically screwed up. And like I said, the two Frenchmen yeah, are coming together. It was unfortunate because there again, you wanted to see Pierre run well in his home race, and that never even got a chance to start. So Hamilton certainly did a great job, and I think you know he 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 certainly deserved a win. But I I, I don't want to underestimate the two Red Bull guys second and fourth and definitely the two Ferraris in at third and fifth for the job they did. And I, again, Magnuson and the Haas car to get sixth that they needed that. And, you know, that was cool to see one of those cars get up and at least be a factor at the end, even if it wasn't for the win. Let's shift to NHRA now for a few minutes, Tom. We mentioned we were going to get to this yep. and we are. How about a surprise and brand new Top fuel winner over the weekend. I was personally, I love Norwalk because it seems like we always get some surprise stories out yes. of it. 
But Blake Alexander, oh my, what a job that young man did. 105th different top fuel winner in NHRA history, and it was a cool moment. Well, it was a cool moment, and in just the final between Alexander and Terry McMillan, two guys, you're not you're not thinking about those two guys as being in the fight. Again, we, I talk all the time on this show about how cool the NHRA is because the competition is so deep and you literally just never know. And to see Alexander pull that one off with a, a really spectacular run. But a, again, the margin of victory, I mean, you, you know, 3-2-1-8 for, for Alexander and a 3-2-7-6 for McMillan, it certainly was a close race, but it was great to see uh, a final with two guys like that that we don't talk about all the time and good for Blake Alexander to get his first win. That's cool. We've been talking and talking and talking about when is Matt Hagen going to get off this slump and get back to the winner's circle. He did that in Funny Car, picked up what I would call a huge victory in that class. Yeah, and again, you know, this is a case of Matt Hagen, you know, having to 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 dig deep and and beat Courtney Force who just keeps piling up the uh the strong runs here in the funny car division and you know, he really had an exceptional uh exceptional run to get the win. I was happy to see him uh pull it off. And it's been a while for him, so good to see uh, Matt Hagen back in victory lane again. We mentioned Tanner Gray brought us back from one of our breaks yeah. here in the last little bit. He was a winner and became, how about this, the first three-time winner in pro stock this season. A, a year after making the uh, countdown playoffs and narrowly uh, fading late to not secure the pro stock title, I'm beginning to believe that Tanner could be peaking at the right time to really make a run at this. Well, I agree. And, you know, beating out Eric Enders, who's starting to come on strong now as we get oh, into the summer. Oh, I know. And summer, isn't that great to see? It is great to see. And I like I like the fact that Tanner ends up getting the win. Um, but it's good to see Erica running so well. And again, this is a division uh, that you just, you, you go from week to week and there's no clear-cut favorite. No, there's really not. And that's what I love about pro stock is the yes. fact you have so much parity. It's difficult to get multiple winners. So to see Tanner doing what he's doing, and even Erica, who's been to five finals in the first 12 races of the season, that's a big, big deal for her. So yeah. and great to see. Yep. Eddie Krawick in pro stock motorcycle beats the alligator man, Jerry Savoie, yep. to uh, notch his victory i mean it's a harley i'm not surprised <laughs> it's eddie i'm also not surprised no, no uh, i mean that there again we could put that under eddie uh Krowick doing eddie Krowick things all right real quick tidbit here and i'll file this under the breaking news category because it really is austin proc just a matter of hours ago has completed his licensing process for nitro funny cars so austin can now participate in the funny car class for national events. And nice. obviously we know his father, long, 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 long time crew chief and tuner in NHRA. The family lineage is there. That's cool for me. And I can't wait to see Austin when he's able to make his first national event. That's just a really cool deal. Oh, I agree. 
He posted a video of the pass. I believe it was Courtney's funny car that he actually used for the licensing process. There's a video on Twitter. uh, 402 out of the box. That is pretty darn sporty to get it done. We are going to step away. When we return, we move into the dirt track conversation. And there's a lot of discussion to be had there. A lot of news and uh, some tragedy that we'll also pay tribute to over the next couple of segments. We begin that discussion coming up after this you're listening to motorsports madness on the performance motorsports network parents your son or daughter has had their license for a while now but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road high school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively they need to be prepared for any highway emergency for less than a month's insurance and a whole lot less BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach so call bsr today 304-725-8444 give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway that's 304-725-8444 you hear that that's the sound of america's only sports car that's right it's a corvette but not just any corvette it's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. Their representatives are experts on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hide the kids. It's time to get dirty with the Race Chaser Online crew. Here's your host, Jacob Seelman, with Turn 5 Live's curator of Casa de Porkchop, Stephen Evans. 
Welcome back to the madness. You are listening live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network, and we are going to talk dirt track racing for a little bit. Steve's awake. Steve heard dirt track racing, and he's like, ooh, I- I'm alive now. Steve-O, you have an opinion, and I want to hear it, and then Tom's going to give his opinion, too, because, well, I know you... sound like Steve's. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know you two uh, think similarly about this, but the Scott Bloomquist skips drug test debacle again. Oh boy, uh, Scott Bloomquist. What I mean, what a hot mess. Uh, this, as though it wasn't bad enough the the first time that that we went through this. Now we go through it again. Lernerville Speedway. You know he suffered an injury at Eldora a couple of weeks ago. Uh, non non racing related injury. And, you know, it sounds like he's hurt his shoulder pretty good here. Um, I believe torn rotator cuff was yep. was the diagnosis that's been given out in public. And um, I can speak from the medical side of things as well as the racing side, Jacob. You know, a, a torn rotator cuff is no joke, um, especially when you're trying to wheel, you know, immensely powerful dirt late models. So, you know, to hear that he's struggling and he needs to get out of the car and have surgery... You know, not a surprise, but, you know, he was told he had to, to do his drug test. And and you knew this was coming. You know, I don't know how random it was that he got picked at the first event since uh, this whole debacle that happened a week or two ago. If you remember Tom Deary's comments, Steve, it wasn't random. He said point blank they were going to test him at the first opportunity. Right, right. And so, you know, so he goes through the night. You know, he's running terrible. He comes to the realization and trying to qualify for the firecracker this weekend that, look, I, I am I am beat up. I need to have surgery on this shoulder. I can't do this. I can't perform at the level that everybody is going to expect me to perform at. But amongst all of this, he's also being asked to give his sample for the for the for the drug test and and he dodges it all night long and and I'm sorry Jacob but I'm I'm coming down hard on Bloomquist on this the, this whole thing has turned into a huge joke I mean all all he had to do you know Bloomquist ended up not even finishing out the night he ended up leaving the racetrack and that's why he but, missed the drug test right but. He knew about the drug test before he left the racetrack. And and this is what's got me all torqued up about it, Jacob. Regardless of what the results were, now, and, and, and this is, is speculation, and I hesitate to say it, but with the injury that he has, is it plausible that he could be taking something to help deal with the pain of that injury that could come up on this drug test? Yes. But in the, in that situation... Even if the test comes back positive, Jacob, at least, you know, we would know why it came back positive. True. And, and, and it doesn't turn into this huge mess that it's turned into. Even if a test came out positive and, and you're going to have to serve the same penalty as what you're going to for missing it completely, at least the, the drivers that you compete with the series, the fans, people would have at least peace of mind because the rumors that have been going around, not just this year, but for, for years, years, could could Tom finally 
be put to rest. Just take the damn test. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, wow. he doesn't want to take the test because I feel like we know what's coming. And he knows what's coming. It's that that test should have been given to him before he ever got a, a suit on and, and got out on the track to race. They should have made sure they tested him before he was allowed on the racetrack that night. That was the problem with that situation is they he kept dodging it and they kept allowing it to happen. I think at this point he needs to take the rest of the season off. And, you know, let's revisit this for 2019. Well, let's be clear. If he's having if he's having rotator cuff surgery, Tom, he's probably going to be forced into taking the rest of the season off or most of it, at least. And the thing is, at this point, with the way he has just blatantly ignored what he's been asked to do. And there's no question in my mind that this wasn't an accident. He dodged that test all night and loaded up and left when he, when he thought he could get away with it. I don't know if the test would have come up positive or not. But at the end of the day, the very fact that he's been totally uncooperative in this situation. Exactly. You know, I mean, if, he, if he's got a torn rotator cuff, then you're right. He's probably going to have to take some time off. And so be it. But regardless... He should take the rest of the season off because if if they can't clear this up and if he's going to be out of the car for months, then, you know, the test is really a moot point. So, you know, but they, they can't let drivers get away with this. The, all of the fans that are saying we don't need drug testing and racing, that's just stupid and, and insane. We've had issues before with this kind of a situation in various series over the years. Um you know, there's no question that we need drug testing in the sport. It should be in all sports. But, you know, if you're going to be uncooperative and you're not going to take the test when you're asked to, then you're basically admitting you're guilty. And that's it, it, this, at that point, you know, you, you're just not going to be allowed to race until you can prove that, you know, you can cooperate with what you're being asked to do, which is taking a simple test. If you've got nothing to hide, what's, what's the problem? Exactly. All right, so, Steve, I'm going to shift to a slightly happier subject now and talk about the end of Ohio Sprint Speed Week because it ended with double features at Atomic Speedway on Sunday night, which was pretty awesome. Cole Duncan won the big prize, which was the 10000 to win feature, the Rick Ferkel Classic. But how about the guy who won the championship, Paul McMahon? Did we really see that coming? After seeing how he ran at Outlaw and at Weedsport when I got to see him up here in New York, Paul McMahon is is almost a a new driver. I mean, he the confidence level, the I mean, he is just he's ready to go, Jacob. I mean, I don't know and and I I I'll apologize. I I don't know where he sits in the championship standings or even if they I don't think they've actually been a full-time effort here so far with the All-Stars, but you know, that that is a team that um they they are on it right now. Uh, they really are, and I think that uh, you know though we wouldn't have expected it before he got that kind of breakout win to to get that confidence back. Um, after seeing that, I was not surprised. Paul McMahon is back. He's not, not lost a thing. You know he's going to contend for a lot more wins here before the year's over. All right, so I'll throw this at you since you brought up the overall points. He's been 
pretty darn close to a full-time driver. He's seventh in the championship right now. Carson Macedo jumped to the top of the standings after the end of Ohio Sprint Speed Week and uh, was second quickest. Now, for the NASCAR connection, Christopher Bell won a feature during Ohio Speed Week. Kyle Larson won two of them. I mean, these guys, they know what they're doing, Steve. We know that. And I tweeted out uh, right before those guys left, or at least Larson, in his case, left for Sonoma. I said, one of these years, Kyle Larson's actually going to stay in Ohio and finish off the job because he was leading Speed Week at the point that he had to to, uh, take the flight out to Sonoma. I I keep waiting. One of these years, it's going to happen. Yeah, and and you talk about Speed Weeks, Jacob. Uh, Pennsylvania Speed Week is coming up, and a guy that you just rebel, he's picked himself up a pretty stout ride for Pennsylvania Speed Week for uh, three races of Speed Week and the Brad Doty Classic. He's going to be piloting the 39 car. Wow. The Swindell Speed Lab ride. I just saw that come out uh, while the show was on here this evening. And you didn't even give Jacob a chance to do his (laughs) breaking news voice. Yeah. So you you mentioned Christopher Bell, and, and, you know, that's going to be – they're going to be racing Path Valley, Lincoln, and Grandview with the 39 car. And then he'll also team up with them for the Brad Doty Classic. Now, uh, that that's going to be, I mean, out of those four races, Jacob, they could win half of them, maybe that, more. Oh, absolutely. They could eat that. We know, Tom, that car is capable of winning a bunch of races. Oh, yeah. And with a driver no like doubt. Bell, um, hello. Well, it's good for the program, too, that Kevin's trying to, to start there. Absolutely. That'll be very good feedback. Kevin's in a position where they're trying to build that car. They've done a good job of doing it with Spencer Baston, but yes. I think they really do need a driver with the kind of record in a sprint car that Christopher Bell has to be able to get a true evaluation of where they've gotten their equipment and no their doubt. program to right now. I think this is going to be a great four-race stint for them, and I'm looking forward to it, and I'm disappointed that Steve didn't let me do my breaking news voice, but it's okay. We'll find another time down the road to do that. Right Right now, we are going to step aside, and on the other side of this, we are going to continue our Dirt Track conversation with some memories and a remembrance of the late Jason Johnson. You are listening to Motorsports Madness live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. 
That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. How to deal with someone who says that's so gay. Outsmart them. This party is, like, so gay. Totally. Excuse me, but did you ladies know the word gay used to mean happy or excited? Then it became a word used to describe gay people. Then somehow it came to mean dumb or stupid, which is how you just used it, which is not very nice. Ew, that guy is on the football team and super smart, and he totally hates us now. Totally. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. Hi, I'm Cole Custer, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness. You're listening to the show live on Spreaker and on the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Chris Murdoch, Dr. Dirt, Steve Ovens, and uh, we've had our cast of Toyota Young Guns join us tonight. They'll be back for our uh, final segment to uh, help us tie off this show, but right now we are going to talk about the biggest dirt track story of the weekend, and... It's tough anytime we have to do one of these segments because you just, you, you always hope it's never going to happen. And we do know uh, at the end of the day that racing's a sport where it can happen. And unfortunately, Steve, uh, like a couple years ago when we had to come on this show and discuss the loss of one of the brightest rising stars of the generation in Brian Clawson, now we uh, return two years later to discuss the loss of one of the brightest journeyman racers I think the dirt track world has in uh, Jason Johnson, who I I wrote about this earlier, I would argue was the preeminent independent driver with the World of Outlaws Craftsman Sprint Car Series. He paved the way for all independent teams to follow, and this one hurts. I I mean, it, it, it just... That there's that sense of surreal that I've had the last couple days. I mean, it was the same way, I think, when we lost BC. Uh, it just is one of those that's really, really, really tough to swallow. It is just absolutely shocking. I mean, I, I for me personally, I feel like the shock really hasn't worn off. Like, we're going to, you know, wake up and, and realize that the last two or three days were just, you know... Uh, a dream or something. I mean, after after we go through, you know, the the accidents that claim the lives of of you know uh, Leffler and and Clawson, you know, there's been such a a focused effort on making the race cars safer and and preventing things like this from happening again. And I think this weekend was one of those moments where we kind of you know, we we get snapped back into reality. You know, with with, with this form of racing, Jacob. It, um, you know, it, it's a, it's an incredibly incredibly sad ordeal. Um, I mean, it's just I. It's hard to describe. It, it really is. I mean, from the time that the crash happened to, you know, I I think 
getting that message initially from Jason's wife, Bobby, you know, kind of put it into perspective of, of just how serious this was. This wasn't just a driver that took a nasty spill. I mean, this was, this was really serious. And, and, you know, for, for quite a while, we just didn't know how it was going to turn out. Tom, he and Darren Pittman were racing for the lead at Beaver Dam Raceway in Wisconsin over the weekend, and uh, we, we saw it much like we did with the Clawson accident, a driver going out fighting for the lead in a race. Clawson, it was the Belleville Midget Nationals in Kansas, but uh, you know, he and Pittman going into turn three, Jason's car went into a series of flips, and uh, we obviously are still reeling from, uh, from how it ended, but uh, as I was saying a minute ago, the journeyman of the outlaws. I mean, when he joined the tour in 2015, it was with some support from Richard Marshall, but Jason Johnson has always been a co-owner or self-owned race car driver. That's just how it was. He's had the right people backing him, but it's been a family team, and Jason was a family man. The image that sticks with me was when he won at Knoxville during the Speed Sport Challenge, and then four years old, I think he's just recently turned five, but his son Jax was in victory lane with him, and the joy on on the kid's face was only rivaled by the joy on his father's face, knowing that uh, both of them were sharing that moment together. I mean, that was who Jason Johnson was. Yeah, um, there's just words just tend to fail us in these times because, you know, on the one hand, you want to celebrate their life and you want to remember them as, you know, as they were. And then on the other hand, you know, you, you realize that, you know, what happened in this particular situation is just part of the dangers of the sport and especially sprint car racing. Once those cars get airborne, I mean, literally there just is no control and you're just along for the ride. And in this situation, um, I mean, just such a violent series of flips, um, you know, hit the second row of the billboards, um, you know, made contact with the wall. I mean, it just, the violence of this particular incident is, was just, I think, a little extra um, from even what we've seen before. And, and you're right, um, we forget sometimes, we watch these drivers and we forget that the, at, at the end of the day, they have families. And, you know, Jason never let us forget that because Jason's exactly. family was always a part of what he was doing, as we see so often in the sport. You know, it's um, it's just a really, really sad time. And, and, you know, we feel helpless because we ask, what can we do to prevent it? And in this particular situation, I would argue there's nothing we can do. It th- this The nature of this accident and the way that this played out – there are no safety modifications. There are no, there, there's just nothing you could do to prevent every possible circumstance. And this certainly was one of the more unusual uh, circumstances I've ever seen in the way that, that the car took off and the way the accident played out. So, um, gosh, I mean, again, what, what do you say other than to just simply stop and pray for the family and, and just, you know, really in this time, just be there for the people 
uh, that are around you. And it just goes to show you that, you know, this still is a sport that's that's really, really dangerous. And, you know, it uh, it's all a part of it. Steve, the preeminent moment that I think goes down in Jason's legacy was, of course, the night where David slayed Goliath, the 2016 Knoxville Nationals, when he went toe-to-toe with Donnie Schatz, did not blink, and won that race by less than two-tenths of a second. Uh, the emotion, the shock, the complete insanity in victory lane. I mean, that was a night that completely... Jason Johnson was a self-made man, but that night the Nationals made Jason Johnson. And I and I say that meaning that anybody who didn't know him before that night, they knew him by the time the night was over. Absolutely. I think Jason was quoted as saying that was the race of his career. Yeah. I mean, that really put the 41 car and Jason Johnson, who before he even came to the world of outlaws guys had five ASCS national titles. I mean, to, to be able to say that a driver with that record coming to the world of outlaws was still not a household name, uh, is pretty impressive. And, And he really had to make a name for himself when he joined with the world of outlaws and that race right there, I've, you know, if you want to point to one race and say, you know, show me this guy, the Raging Cajun, show me what Jason Johnson was, show me what he could do. I mean, that race is the one you point to. Um, it, it that was a absolutely magical night for that that team, that family. Um, that was that changed his career. I mean. Jacob, his record was pretty stout up to that point, but that it, it's just amazing how one race can really define a career like that one. It's funny because Tom and I, I, I don't remember what race we were coming back from, but uh, he and I were actually riding back from a race together and listening to the call on Dirt Vision that night, and as the laps ticked off, I remember looking at you and going, there's no way he's actually going to hold on to this, is there? And then shots passed him, and you could hear the air kind of go out of everybody's sails, and all of a sudden, Johnny Gibson goes, and they bang wheels, and Johnson gets back past. And you could hear it on the Dirt Vision broadcast. The roar of the crowd was so loud. That was a night where, even if you weren't a Jason Johnson fan, you were on that night. Yeah, I actually watched the uh, the broadcast uh, on the internet that night, and and actually it you know it was so late at night we were watching it. Uh, I actually got my wife to watch it too uh, that night, and and she became a sprint car fan that night watching that race. She she said, "Are all sprint car races that exciting?" And it's like, yeah, yeah, most of them are. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you, that's right. You too. you yeah. couldn't you couldn't ask for a better finish to, to that race. And and for all the marbles when it comes to 410 sprint car racing, and, and for that night, Jason Johnson stood on top of the sprint car world. You know, obviously, at that moment in time, you don't know how this one's career is going to pan out. But now knowing what we know, I'm so glad that Jason Johnson ha- was able to have that moment in his career where he was able to stand on top of the sprint car world. All right, Tom, I'll go to you first. 
The Knoxville Nationals win, obviously. Making it as an independent on the Outlaws Trail, obviously. What else do you see from Jason Johnson's legacy that uh, that remains going forward here that people can learn from? Well, I just think that w- when I think about Jason, I really think about he just never quit. You know, it, again, it's the whole underdog kind of thing, the common man. You know, he was a driver who stacked up very, very well against the bigger, much more well-resourced teams and I think more than anything, I'm going to remember him in a lot of the same way that I remember Brian Clawson. It was his passion for what he was doing. And that, to me, Jason Johnson was, as you said earlier, the and in your article, Jacob, the, he was the outlaw's outlaw. You know, that that's really the way I'm going to remember him and you know, I'll never forget that Knoxville Nationals win. That that uh, uh, That's one of those races in a lifetime of being around the sport, a fan of the sport, and working in the sport. That's one of those moments. It, it was very much 1980, us versus Russia, hockey. Can you believe, do you believe in miracles? Yes, and that's exactly the, the the way I felt about it at the time, and of course, you know, who could know? Um, who that could that know? Was exactly. Stand his career, you know, top of the mountain moment. Steve, I I I will agree with with you guys. I just think that um, you know, as far as legacy goes, you know, Jason Johnson is a is a prime example of of showing what it takes to be an outlaw to to be kind of a self-made man self-made team you know by by putting in the hard work i mean there you just don't see that uh but you know to share all of this with his family and you know you know uh, to be a guy that wears your heart on your sleeve and and i just i think that's how that's how you remember him, and I, and I think the other part that you have to remember him too is, you know, even though the the stats that he was able to put up in the ASCS National Tour might not stack up, uh, or, or you know, the the stats of the world may not stack what he was able to do on the ASCS Tour, he was still a formidable name no matter what series he competed in. For me, uh, I, I'm gonna kind of close this segment with this because I made the comment to somebody earlier that uh, in the media realm we're trained to deal with death because it happens so often but I think this weekend you know losing somebody like Jason really reminds us how fragile not just life but our sport is and uh, just how quickly things can change I mean Jason was somebody who uh, and I saw this firsthand at Charlotte in May he was somebody that whether you knew or had known him for years or it was the first time you were talking with him, he was going to make you feel like you mattered and he was going to make sure that your time with him was uh, was well spent because that was just the kind of person that he was, not just for his family, but for his racing family, which I think sticks the most out to me. And Tom said it. He was a driver who didn't care how everybody else was making things work. He didn't worry about what anybody said about him. He was just going to do it his way. And Tom said exactly the point that I made. He was the outlaw's outlaw. And Jason Johnson, 
who uh, left us early Sunday morning at the age of 41, will most certainly be uh, be missed and never forgotten. I know I'm certainly going to miss the uh, number 41 out on track for the uh, days and weeks to come. The World of Outlaws have rescheduled their event at Jacksonville Speedway, which was scheduled for Wednesday night for uh, later in October. You can check the full schedule at wosprint.com for uh, the specifics on that event. But out of respect for uh, all those affected by Jason's passing, uh, the event scheduled for Wednesday night has been moved. And certainly a classy decision, I think, on the Outlaws' part to make that call. We're going to make our final break here. And when we come back, we are going to wrap up this show. You're listening to Motorsports Madness live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Motorsports sales professionals. Performance Motorsports is looking to build a team of experienced media sales professionals to represent our programming to the industry's top companies, magazines, and racing series. If you have motorsports sales or marketing experience, know how to work with agencies, understand social media, and are incredibly creative when it comes to working with clients and promotions, then we want to hear from you. Top performers are richly rewarded. Your imagination is the only limit here. Call 717-749-0444. That's 717-749-0444. Or email us at scorpionradiogroup at gmail.com. You want to ask for Sue. You are a waste. A loser. Everyone hates you. Why don't you just stay in your car and keep driving? I'm serious. Drive until you run out of gas and get out of your car and walk until you find someone who doesn't think you're dumber than bricks. Could take a while, but at least all that walking might burn a couple of calories. You may not witness bullying like this every day. Your kids do. They want to help, but they don't know how. Visit StopBullying.gov to learn safe, simple ways your child can help stop bullying. Be more than a bystander at StopBullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your streetcar on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Hi, I'm Tyler Reddick, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness. Uh, We spent our last segment reflecting on the life and career of Jason Johnson, and now as we get set to close this show, 
A message from Bobby Johnson, Jason's wife. I'll read excerpts of this just because I feel like all the words we've been searching for over the last couple of days to try and put this all into perspective. She does uh, a better job than I think any of the rest of us could. Uh, My heart hurts because of the loss we've all suffered. I've cried, I've prayed, and my heart has smiled as I think about all the good times I had with Jason and how blessed we all were, both as a couple and a family. That was one thing that was very important to us. We did it together as a family. We were on the road 24 hours, 7 days a week, following our dreams. Jason loved sprint car racing from the day that I met him. That's part of what I love so much about him, and his passion for racing only grew through our time together. It was a common area of interest and passion for each of us. Racing's a sport we both loved very much, and now Jax does too. He always wants to be at the track or racing his cars in the motorhome. We enjoy the friendships we built with the other drivers and teams, as well as their families. And that's one thing that really, I think, sticks out to all of us. We were and still are a family. We took so much pride racing against the best drivers in the business with the World of Outlaws every night. It wasn't easy, but he worked hard to be competitive and to always get better behind the wheel. He was intense. He was focused and he did everything he needed to do away from the track to make sure he was meeting our partner's expectations and his own. We want to stay together as a racing family, the one that Jason and I always love together being a part of, so that we can care for one another during not only this time, but all the time. It hurts for all of us. It was a racing accident, no one's fault, just two great drivers, Jason and Darren, racing hard for the lead at Beaver's Dam. My heart goes out to Darren, Mandy, and their daughters. He's always raced us clean and did on this night for sure. Know this or that, and I will be forever grateful for their family and keep them in my prayers just as much as I know all the race fans have been keeping us in theirs. I'm heartbroken for sure, but so grateful for everyone and all the support they've shown. Hashtag forever 41, Bobby Johnson. And I don't think there's any more that can be said other than that. Bobby, uh, I think from all of us at uh, PMN, the Race Chaser Media staff, and everybody associated with this show, I speak for all of us when I say we continue to keep you, Jax, and the family and crew in our prayers as we do for everybody involved and affected. The Raging Cajun will be missed, but his memory will live on and he will never be forgotten. As we close this show, we pay tribute to the memory of Jason Johnson, who passed on Sunday at the age of 41. For Tom Baker and Chris Murdoch, I'm Jacob Seelman. Till we meet again. You've been listening to Motorsports Madness with the Race Chaser Online crew. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. Motorsports Madness is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network, www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section in the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-hosts, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the madness returns on Monday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, keep it off the wall and keep the shiny side up.